0: You are listening to the qsr web podcast are you a supplier or a brand working to elevate the customer experience the interactive customer experience association connects brands suppliers agencies and more who are working to create transcendent customer experiences let's work together to create a better customer experience ecosystem for us all join the icx association today at icxa.org
1: Hello to everyone out there at the receiving end of today's QSR Web Podcast, and thanks so much for checking in. I'm QSR Web Editor Shelly Whitehead. I promise you won't be disappointed today because we're picking up right where we left off in our conversation with Ann Pizza CEO Michael Lestoria, who you first heard from in the podcast published on Friday, March 8th. That whole interview gets started right after this very brief word.
0: The Interactive Customer Experience Association's mission is to connect B2C brands to technology that elevates the customer experience. Brands have access to resources, project help, news, and insights based around boosting their customer experience suppliers gain network opportunities to reach these brands and help them provide solutions to elevate their customer experience join today at icxa.org
1: okay today we're starting off right where we left off in the first part of our interview with and pizza ceo michael astoria specifically we focus now on how the dc-based brand communicates with its employees as part of its overall mission to improve the quality of restaurant workers' lives, in Ann Pizza's case, that actually begins with something very much like what you're listening to at this moment—a podcast. I, I was also curious. You have an in-house podcast for employees, don't you?
2: We do. Yeah. That—that was—that uh, sort of started off with you know our newsletter, and you know, shame on me for you know thinking that you know a newsletter. You know what's going to be effective. i mean the, the average age um you know of an and pizza employee tribe member is you know ranges from call it 22 to 23 years old and you know i don't know anyone 22 23 years old that prefers you know being emailed a newsletter as a, a method of communication that number one is going to be engaging number two they're actually going to read um given you know we live in a generation of sound bites. Uh, and it's really hard to you know sort of wrestle attention back and get people to, to, to pay attention. And so we decided to take all that communication and turn it into a podcast. It started off every other week, and now we have it going weekly. I think what makes it the most interesting is that now people are starting to tune in, and it took some time, right? Because a lot of this stuff, you know, once you go there, like when we went to text only, it took time for it to catch on, and a real commitment for the company to get it right. And the same thing with podcasting is that, took time for people to feel like this is something that's not just, Hey, let's go try it. We don't know, but we're invested in it. We're committed to it. The content's consistently improving, and we're figuring out, you know, better ways uh, for us to get all of the important messages the company has and wants you to receive in the most thoughtful. And so we, we record it, we text it out to our, our, our tribe members and then listen to it. And we're constantly tracking, you know, how many, Uh, plays or listens that we're getting and seeing those numbers increase week over week over week. And then, of course, soliciting feedback. How can we do this better? What would be more interesting if we bring in, you know, people that are potentially celebrities, right, in their communities or neighborhoods? If we start to do interview content with them, is that more interesting? Is it not? We've just found that we're getting a lot of good crowdsourcing of ideas that make the content more rich, more powerful,
1: and more digestible. I can relate. (laughs) as we're here today this podcast you know it's it's fun and it's uh it's interesting but that again you make your mistakes right there for everybody to see and hear so uh
2: people like that yeah i think people like mistakes they love it i mean when you make mistakes you're basically saying i'm like you you make mistakes brands make mistakes people make mistakes there's a you know, th- there's, a, um, there's a real good feeling that and, and a trust that comes from that when you're willing to put yourself out there. Um, I, I, I think it works extremely well.
1: Let me ask you about, you've got a relatively streamlined menu um, and you pretty much own your beverage menu. Um, I'm wondering what the intention is behind those, those two techs.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, as it relates to beverage, you know, I think it was, you know, trying to find what would pair well with our pizza uh, and, and realizing that we probably need to sort of make our own uh, products, right, and, and you know, to, to do that. And everything that we tend to do is, is, is take a concept that is kind of right down the middle and then, you know, kind of adjust it to be left of center, add that twist or that edge that we feel like completes the flavor profile that is going to um, taste different. And we get a lot of inspiration from fast food. I mean, McDonald's wouldn't be McDonald's without the Big Mac. And one of the things that made the Big Mac special outside of the double patty and, and a bun wedged in between was the sauce, right? If you remove the special sauce from the Big Mac, you're left with just a relatively average burger. And so that's how we think about if we're gonna do a pepperoni pizza, well, It's either going to be loaded up with pepperoni or it's going to be, you know, spicy tomato sauce with pepperoni, with arugula goat cheese and hot honey. And just those extra couple of ingredients really tie, and that's our American honey, really tie a pie together to become a bestseller because we just did those one or two things that gave people a flavor profile they maybe haven't had before or is unique to Ann Pizza. And we really look at, like, the hits on fast food menus as being the barometer, not the supply chain, right? Not the ingredient quality necessarily, but the flavor and what made, you know, that brand special. It's the spicy chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A. It's the Big Mac from, you know, McDonald's, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Those special moments people remember and they define brand. And that's the bar that we want to be looking up towards. And that's sort of the, every product needs to be as good as that. And if it's not, it can't live on our menu.
1: That's interesting that you look toward fast food. Um, that may be the first time I've heard that in a, in a while. Um, it, it's uh, It'll be fun to watch how the menu evolves in that respect. Um, I, I can't go too, too much further without asking you about your location at the U.S. House of Representatives in the Rayburn building and I understand some pretty wild things have been happening there this week uh, (laughs) in the midst of all the testimony.
2: Yeah, well, we've had a, I mean, it's been a wild year kind of starting off turning into the new year with, you know, the shutdown and the massive impact that had to the, you know, 800,000 workers that were without paychecks. So we decided to offer, you know, free pizza and we gave away well over 30,000 pies you know, over the span of that shutdown, that became quite a thing, including partnering with um, an amazing human being, Jose Andres, who also is local. We've done stuff in the past with, so our year started off with that, and then you know, just yesterday, you know, after the uh, you know Michael Cohen hearing, um, you know, there was an interview that was right outside of our, our new shop, that's in the Rayburn Building, which is in the House of Representatives, and there was a, a kid that was caught on camera you know eating our pizza out of our box and it became an internet sensation i think the video is, is approaching about 2 million views uh, and now hallway pizzas become a thing and so so many people have reached out to us and now it's become a meme and we've created probably 10 15 memes associated with that we rolled out a hallway pizza today that was the actual ingredients that the kid was eating um, and there's, you know, press that have been circling, you know, the location all morning because people are really getting a kick out of number one, how we mobilize as a brand to take advantage of, you know, just the fact that someone was eating pizza behind a camera that went viral. Um, and number two, the, the the power and impact of internet culture. And the cool thing for a brand like ours is that like internet culture is literally right down the middle of something that we understand because the brand happens to be more youthful. As I mentioned, the average age of our tribe members are 22, 23 years old. And so we kind of live, you know, we live digitally. We are digitally native. And so it's been really fun just to see that take off and to see the fun that we can have. And of course, the fact that most of our shops have digital screens, you know, with the press of a button, all the content that we created for social could also live on those screens. And so people are walking into the shops and now they're seeing something, you know, with their eyes from a more experiential standpoint that you normally would see a brand communicate digitally. So there's a lot of fun, uh, you know, that we can have. And I think that's the future of how we intend to communicate is thinking about all the different touch points, not just those that live. We don't want to have a a specific strategy for Twitter versus Instagram versus in-shop digital boards, you know, versus our mobile app or desktop and mobile web browser. It's all just, you know, touch points for content. And we think the content should kind of stream across all platforms because I think it's funny if people walk into a pizza shop, instead of a traditional menu board, they see an an internet meme that either someone else created or we created that's very relevant to noon on a Monday based on what happened the day before, because that's a way to get people to smile, get people to laugh, get people to forget about all of the, um, issues they're the weight of the world that they may be carrying on their shoulders or chest and to just enjoy a moment with us to to, to have a little fun to be lighthearted, hearted uh, and to eat some amazing pizza
1: it's an interesting way to kind of um earn media <laughs>
2: so, that's um, very well said
1: <laughs> tell me where the brand is headed growth-wise and how it will retain its personality. It's
2: definitely not a linear path. I mean, the brand has always been, you know, weird. And I think becoming a little bit more fearlessly weird in terms of just (laughs) doing our own thing and marching to the beat of our own drummer. Um, But expansion is on the horizon. You know, expect to see us in in more and more uh, cities and markets, um, you know, east of the Mississippi. Uh, We'll be announcing some really cool things. Uh, and and honestly the the, the bigger that we've gotten, I still consider us in this industry to be very small you know given the sort of titans that uh, have come before us and just the rapid growth that we're seeing uh, actually from from you know a couple of, of washington dc-based brands and sweet green and kava and, and a sister brand of ours in New York dig in and there's just so many amazing you know uh, startups and and amazing entrepreneurs that have been in this industry and are entering this industry so just to be a part of this new food culture, food as a platform um, ecosystem is really exciting, uh, but also to have more dollars to invest in doing things the right way. I mean, I didn't come from the food service industry. So like for me, it's gotten easier for the sheer fact that I'm able to attract real you know, restaurant talent now. People that have been in the industry for some time that maybe weren't willing to take a bet on an entrepreneur with. You know a dollar in a dream trying to change you know um you know change his business or change food service for the better uh, now there's some proof in the fact that hey we've, we've been around and i know seven years is still very early but uh there are some proof points that say the concept the brand we love what you're doing we'd love to join forces with you and so that has become really empowering having more dollars to invest in how we can be a better employer how we can be a better neighbor how we can serve more responsible food uh, consistently, how we can consistently improve the quality of our offerings. Like it really comes down to not just what you can't do because you have limited resources and limited human capital to what you can do. And so the future for us is really a lot of white space with continuing to do more and more and more of the right thing our way um, with really supportive people first and foremost, you know, our tribe members that dedicate their time, energy, and life force to this business, and and then to, you know, our guests in the communities that we serve.
1: Okay, so last question. This is something I'm curious about from you. What would you like to see more restaurant brands, particularly limited service brands, do these days as part of their business as usual?
2: I, I honestly think, the obvious answer for me is, I think, starting to think about uh, the federal minimum wage, the minimum wage that you pay, and starting to invest some dollars in trying to be on the right side of it or trying to think differently about what it means um, to pay people a higher wage and, and, and how to stomach, um, you know, what will be over time, uh, you know, $15 minimum wage. And don't necessarily look at it as this is going to be a a loss leader and something where, you know, we are going to make you know less dollars overnight, which factually speaking, that's probably correct. But how can you look at it as a net positive given, you know, those dollars are important to the people that are coming to work for you. It is getting more expensive to live in all aspects, uh, in all different, you know, cities and, and, and counties in the United States. And and, and, and to throw some dollars at trying to figure out, can we make this a positive thing for our business? Can we rethink the margin profile of our business? Can we rethink the employer-employee relationship and really focus on culture and, and taking care of those people that come to work for you? It's a very controversial topic, but one that's really important to me because we started with that thesis back in 2012 and have one of the healthier economic models As a result of having a lower turnover and having a unique, interesting culture that really drives a lot of top line revenue for us and has been a defining point in terms of what makes this business work. It comes down to it's the people and it's the culture um, and we would be nowhere without it.
1: Well said. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed talking to you. I've learned a lot and plenty of fodder for future future stories <laughs> you've given me thank you michael
2: well we, and pizza loves you and pizza loves this industry we're just happy to be a part of it and uh, just very thankful for opportunities like this to, to share our two cents uh, and maybe provoke a little bit of thought but thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it
1: To our dear audience, we hope you enjoyed that two-part serving of Ann Pizza and even took home some ideas. We figured this podcast really only works when you get content that helps you do business better. So please, if you have ideas for ways we can do that or a brand you just want us to talk to, please contact me via email at shellyw.networldmediagroup.com or through QSR web or pizza marketplace online until we talk again, have a great business week ahead. Bye now.